it, it all ties together, you know, our habitats, our rare plants, um, and plants, you know, potentially going, uh, going extinct. We don't want that to happen. And I believe the, the, uh, the state of California said that they would not allow any species to go extinct in California, but we are actively working on that. We don't want that to happen. And if uh, a listing of a rare plant has to change, we will um, work on that and you know put in the petitions. And we have a whole um, team that's dedicated to that. This episode is brought to you in part by our sponsor, Tidal Influence, a Californian ecological consulting firm who proudly supports environmental education and all of the diverse conservation efforts that Pelicanus works to highlight. Visit their website at tidalinfluence.com to learn more about what they do to conserve our coastal resources and how you can get involved. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Pelicanus. Pelicanus is a nonprofit organization focused on sharing the movement that is and has been happening in the conservation field. Now, this is Conservation Conversations, our long form documentary style show that highlights the people and organizations that are making it their purpose to grow the conservation field and to show that people have and still are making monumental differences in our world with intentional change. Head over to pelicanus.org to find all of our episodes and more. In this episode of Conservation Conversations, we talked to Chris Sarabia, the president of the California Native Plant Society and an inspiring community leader in Southern California. Now, California is one of the world's 36 biodiversity hotspots. It has more native plant species than any other state in the U.S., and an entire web of life that depends on those plants. It has something really special that is worth our protection and love. So CNPS is dedicated to that. They do their work through conservation, education, gardening, plant science, and even a publishing arm. They have more than 10,000 members and 35 volunteer chapters across the state and in Baja. So wherever you live, you can get involved locally in issues that truly matter globally. Native plant conservation is directly tied to and impacted by some of the biggest environmental issues of our time. It's a really exciting way to make a difference. Now enjoy our conversation with Chris. And I know you wear a lot of hats, so you can kind of talk about all the different organizations you're involved with and your role with each of them. Um, yeah, my name's Chris Sarabia, um, and uh, I'm the board president of the California Native Plant Society. What else? I'm the vice president of our local South Coast chapter out here in Los Angeles of uh, the California Native Plant Society. Um, I'm also the conservation director with the uh, Palos Verdes Peninsula Land Conservancy. Um, and what else? Co-founder of Flora y Tierra, which is a, a community space here in Long Beach, California. And uh, uh, hold a lot of events here. Um, I also work with Gray Water Action, um, doing uh, education, bilingual education, and, yeah, and then a bunch of other random stuff that I, uh, I work on for, for fun with Master Gardeners and different groups uh, in the community. So shifting over to uh, California Native Plant Society, <laughs> if you can do this, if you, do you mind uh, kind of give me the rundown or like a, a synopsis of what what CNPS does and kind of what their role is in the state. Yeah, I'll give it a shot um, because CNPS does a lot. And so CNPS, the California Native Plant Society, the mission is um, to conserve California native plants 
and their natural habitats, um, increasing understanding, appreciation, and the horticultural use of native plants. And so that's, you know, that's one sentence trying to really pack in so much. And so um, I'll try to kind of unravel that in some of the more important points of, of the org. Um, uh, but before I do that, I'll, I'll mention that, um, you know, we have 35 chapters throughout the state. Um, so these are regional chapters that, you know, cover um, just, um, you know, basically every, every corner of California. Um, and not just California, but into Baja, California. Um, the, the Native Plant Society is focused on the California floristic province. And so that doesn't stop at the border, it continues south. And so uh, a couple years back, um, a Baja chapter was started that, that um, includes that. And so we have that chapter. We also have a, a, a specialty chapter that deals with bryophytes. Um, and so that covers the whole state because we have bryophytes um, throughout the state. And, and so I think that's, that's an interesting um, chapter. But otherwise, you can see uh, that we're not just a org that um, is based out of some central location. Um, we were spread throughout the state uh, with over 10,000 members and volunteers that um, keep an eye out, keep an eye out on their, uh, their corner of California, make sure, you know, plants are being um, conserved, protected, um, not destroyed. Um, you know, they're always on the lookout for rare plants or any interesting habitat or um, projects, you know, projects such as uh, horticultural projects. So a lot of our members uh, teach classes or um, workshops for, for their local communities. Um, and along those horticultural components is, is the landscaping component. And so we're really heavily invested in, in pushing California native plants for, um, for, for landscaping, um, either in a, a private re residence and all the benefits that come with that, right? But also in municipal projects, uh, such as right-of-ways or city um, parks or things like that. Um, you know, I'm sure a lot of the listeners of this podcast understand the value of native plants and, and you know, the habitat value for pollinators and all, just everything that comes with it. Um, so we're really invested in that component, um, as well as all the science that backs that up, but also that protects all these different uh, plant communities and rare plants and on and on and on. And so, um, you know, we were just talking about the community component, uh, the community uh, support component. And so while we don't necessarily do restoration, um, we, we are very driven by volunteers and what they're seeing out there and what they can uh, volunteer and support for the CNPS mission, right? So that's, that's kind of the, the chapter um, spiel. Um, I would, I would uh, recommend that anybody who isn't a member of CNPS or maybe never heard of CNPS um, to search out your local chapter and just, just kind of check in and see what they're doing because it's, it's usually pretty cool stuff. Um, and there's, there's a spot for everyone, 
you know, from kids who want to go out on a hike, um, want to learn how to draw plants or ID plants or cook with plants to maybe your really seasoned botanist that wants to go out on a rare plant treasure hunt and, um, you know, learn to key out certain features of a rare plant or wants to, uh, uh, give input on a, maybe a sequel document, you know, to protect an area of land that may be uh, threatened. As you know, as we've talked about, the, the, the whole idea behind this organization and this podcast is uh, that we like to highlight the, the people in the organizations doing the good work to make sure that, you know, the plants are still there, the animals are thriving, uh, because all you ever hear on the news is how terrible everything is, but then they don't ever show the other side that there's hundreds or if not thousands of people that are working hard to, to protect or to conserve or to you know, get back a habitat. And so looking at the website here, uh, cnps.org, um, in the pro programs uh, page, it, it talks about uh, conservation, their publications, education, rare plant science, gardening, and vegetation science. So that's a huge variety of things that one organization can do. So if you don't mind, you kind of already talked about the, the native landscaping aspect, but uh, if you want to kind of go into the programs and, and how CNPS uh, can, how it has and will make a real uh, impact in California. Yeah, yeah, I'll jump around and feel free to um, ask if you want me to expand on anything because there's so much going on. Um, so I'd say within the conservation program, um, some of the bigger projects we're working on are, let's see, the Important Plant Areas um, Initiative. Uh, this, we call it the IPAs, um, and, and it's, it's a really cool program. We've actually had a, a lot of events at uh, breweries, and we call them the IPAs for IPAs. But what, what it does is it brings together different experts from different regions, you know, to come together and give their input on in important plant areas that they recognize for their region. And so what, what we're trying to do is create some type of uh, conservation index for plants using um, GIS software and basically collecting the data for all these areas from the experts and prioritizing which areas should be protected it's, it's kind of complicated in the sense where you, you're running models of which areas are probably the most important due to the amount of uh, species, rare species, uh, how intact the habitat is, uh, if, there, if there's corridors running through there that connect um, you know, to other regions. And so in a sense, the important plant areas is, is, is bringing all this data that we, that we have that we know that is important and creating a, a, almost a hierarchy of where, where we need to protect, what areas are most important. This is, this is kind of in response to um, maybe people in California government asking, well, which areas are, are most important? Which areas should we be protecting? And, you know, not, not really having an answer of like, well, I, you know, this place, we think this place is really important. I mean, we kind of have an idea. So we're using science and data to really provide that answer so that um, as projects come down the line, we know which areas 
uh, are sensitive. We, we have that data and we have it on record and it can easily be submitted to protect an area that is very important. We're trying to make sure that um, habitat value um, and making sure people understand the connection between, you know, species of animals and plants and, and what role, you know, individual plants play with, uh, with providing habitat value, redundancy, um, you know, pollinator habitat, all these things. Um, we're trying to make sure that that isn't left out of that process by using these uh, IPAs. And so you can, you can actually access the, the database, how, how it's been completed so far on the website um, and get some more info. And if you're a plant expert, you know, you can be part of the process. Um, and then one thing I kind of wanted to add to the, uh, the IPAs uh, program, you kind of mentioned it already, but the, the importance of that, knowing the, the background or knowing the kind of baseline data at the very least is huge. Because if you think about, you know, before, was it 60 years ago when CNPS was put together or when this movement started to happen, um, like say in 1900, if they wanted to build a new city in Southern California or anywhere in California, they just go, cool, go ahead, you know? And then now with this, these databases, we can kind of go, actually, let's move, build it this way, or let's uh, build it in a smarter way, or, or let's not build there, but build here, or, or design it in a way because there's rare plants here. And there's, it's, you know, just to add a little context that how important that is for any kind of development, because so especially Southern California is just so overdeveloped that you don't even think about that. But it, that doesn't mean that Northern California can't be developed the same way it is here. So it's a re really important uh, program. It is, it is. Um, I would say that um, it, it all ties together, you know, our habitats, our rare plants, um, and plants, you know, potentially going, uh, going extinct. We don't want that to happen. And I believe the, the, uh, the state of California said that they would not allow any species to go extinct in California. But we are actively working on that. We don't want that to happen. And if uh, a listing of a rare plant has to change, we will um, work on that and you know, put in the petitions. And we have a whole um, team that's dedicated to that. Something interesting with CNPS is that we're, we're a collaborative group, right? We, there's no way we can um, handle all this information or these projects or working on documents of CEQA or petitions for federal listing and species. Um, we work with, you know, other groups that may already be working on this stuff and, and we work together to get these things done that are important for, for conservation. And, and so I think that's important. Collaboration um, on many levels is, is important because um, it comes in, and that comes back to the community component, right? People have to be invested um, for things to work, for things to be effective. The scope of work that CNPS does in the state of California is so large that you, you can't do it on your own. The reach that you guys have, if you, again, how important it is that you guys work with small organizations, large organizations, and everyone in between to all work in the same direction. And it's so, super important to have a, a larger nonprofit entity like CNPS to kind of you know, direct people in the right uh, uh, direction, I guess, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. And I mean, it, yeah, there's no other way with the statewide group. Um, and I think 
you know, most people in conservation in California know about CNPS um, because, because we're volunteer driven, you know, and uh, people are of different uh, walks of life are involved in CNPS. And so um, I think that's how, <laughs> that's kind of to our benefit, right? We have people at San Diego Zoo we, have, we just have people throughout the state in different areas of expertise that care about native plants, right? And that could be from a, you know, someone run, running a, you know, regional water department, but it's also photographers. It's also landscapers. It's, it's uh, gardeners. Um, it's scientists, uh, you know, pathogen scientists. It's, on and on and on and so i think that's what makes it unique is that any nexus of native plants we're we're kind of open to it which is which is kind of dangerous right because we get overloaded with the type of work we do but but if it's beneficial to native plants then then why wouldn't you aspire to 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 do it to protect those native plants right you mentioned you know we bring people together over beer cider cookies whatever one thing you kind of like forget about is that every single one of those is composed of plants. You know, the cookies is wheat and uh, chocolate's a plant and beer is hops, all those kind of stuff. And they, those are all native to somewhere. They may not be California native plants, but there's no questioning how important plants are. But then when you look at your local community and you try to uh, make that connection between your local native plants. I agree, I agree. And I think, um... We, we have these really good uh, presentations we do that are short and they're interactive. It's one of these where it's like, what is this? What is that? You know, you're, you're not telling people, but you're, you're, you're asking them, well, what is that? And most people have an answer. It may not be correct, but it's leading in the right direction. Um, and so, yeah, like you said, you ask someone, well, what is this made out of? And they start to go down that rabbit hole and then you bring them in and say, well, this is why we're doing what we do. And pe most people respect that, you know, and it's, it's, it's cool to get that um, respect, those smiles of people are like, oh, I get it now. Um, you know, they may not, <laughs> they may not want to dedicate, you know, all their, their weekends to uh, helping to pull weeds and plant native plants, but, but they're, they're probably going to support you, right? And if they, if they see you on the street, they're going to remember that you were talking about native plants and they're going to remember what you told them. And that's what you want. That's what you want. You want, you want that interactiveness uh, part of it and just make sure that it ties into their everyday life where they're drinking cider and they remember what, what cider comes from. Yeah, I think that and, you know, the larger scale education uh, programs that NPS and other organizations are doing, you, you would hope that when you learn those things, you, you take that next step and you remember it when you're voting on things or you're thinking about uh, your community and how, you know, if, if they're trying to, like we said, build a new city, you kind of remember that native plants are a thing <laughs> to begin with, but then also that they're important and all the reasons they're important. Uh, that's, that's the hope is that you take that next step. <laughs> so I guess that, that leads into how, how did, you kind of talked about how you're trying to get other people into native plants. And so how did you, how did you start in this, in this field? Did you, did you grow up in a, an area full of native plants and just loved it? Or did you have to kind of go find them? Yeah, no, I did. I grew up in um, Southeast LA in Bell Gardens. Um, 
it was it, there was no native plant parks there um i would go sneak off to the river and and there was plants there i didn't know what a native plant was but i knew that there was uh frogs and snakes and uh little critters you know on those plants and so i'd spend a lot of time messing around looking for those right to just you know average kid just messing around in the dirt um in the weeds digging holes i didn't really get into any of that when I was young. Um, we were, we, we would go camping, we'd go to, you know, Big Bear and hang around the trees and beautiful, right? You get that, that serenity that potentially, I mean, it, it, it was, maybe that's why I really enjoy um, being out in the wild and, and native plants is uh, it, it brings kind of joy to my heart or whatever, right? I make that connection and just kind of, um, beauty and, and, and uh, aesthetics and things like that. I think it was when, when I got my first car, I would throw all my friends in the car and we'd drive, I'd just drive north and I'd drive up into the mountains or into the hills, um, try to find a dirt road, um, mess up the car pretty bad, but uh, we'd go out to these areas that were just kind of open, nobody was there and just hang out with the, my friends and and enjoy the sunset and uh i think that's when i really started to really start to appreciate more the the you know these wild areas um that weren't just dirt roads or dirt lots but that there was plants there and kind of the beauty there uh, i started to to kind of go down that rabbit hole and it, it is a rabbit hole because once you're in you're in um and um yeah, working with different groups. Um, I think you you interviewed uh, Eric Zahn um, in Tidal Influence, and so they really they really opened that that um, portal into the native plant world um, pretty heavily. Um, that you know that's when I started to hear uh, Latin names of plants, and you know I had kind of heard those those terms in in college, but it didn't stick. Right? It was just kind of like whatever. I'm just pushing through and trying to get a good grade in class. And, um, but I didn't really relate it to my life um, until I started to do nature walks with, uh, with Taylor and, and Eric. And I was like, whoa, this is cool. You know, like this doesn't have to be scholarly per se, like it can be enjoyable as well. There was that shift where you, you're, you start to uh, learn Latin um, for plants, you know, where your brain doesn't quite at least for me, I, I, I wasn't able to pick up on that, that third language. Um, and then when I did, I was like, whoa, okay, what's up? You know, and I remember being told like, say hi to the plants in their name as a way to learn. And I don't know if, or if, if I picked that up from those two guys uh, or not, but, but it worked, it worked. And so in a sense, at that point, it, it, it threw it into also a, like a, a spirituality kind of thing where maybe they were, uh, you know, connecting with me. Maybe it was all in my head, whatever it was, I was hooked. I was hooked on that, you know, and every component of this, this natural world and really just enjoying it. Not, not, not uh, entirely as a career, um, but really just being able to enjoy nature um, and understanding the impacts we were making, right? I think, <laughs> I mean, we were all young, but, you know, we, you know, a hawk would fly over us and we'd, we'd say, yep, like we 
we're doing good work, you know, like this is why we do this kind of stuff. And so it, it almost gave us more drive to continue because um, you'd see these, these beautiful things and you turn around and see the good work you did and you go back a year later and you'd see the, you know, the habitat you created and, and what effects it was having on the environment. I think that's, that's what really continues to get me. I was going to say it got me, but I mean, it was, it's a slow process, various, you know, things, uh, uh, you know, were attributed to getting into native plants, but every day it continues that way. Uh, I think it's, it's one of these things where it's hard to get out of it because you just see the beauty of nature. You see the impacts of, of having native plants, you know, in the habitat for other species to use. And you see that if you were to lose that, you know, the impacts it would have to the, the environment, the ecology. I think that that's kind of what's, what sticks with me. You know, it's hard to really walk away from this um, uh, because you know you're making an impact, right? One plant, you know, I mean, I, I, I planted a bunch of native plants in the parkway. This is a, a, a big street I live off of. And I go out and you see, you know, little critters hanging out on these plants that are, otherwise you just have concrete, you know, up and down the street. And you see praying mantises hanging out on there because they're, they're waiting for other little insects to show up. And you see monarchs flying through the traffic to get to your milkweed. Um, so you, yeah, it's, it's kind of hard not to want to plant more and protect more and, you know, yeah, plant one plant here, but then try your best to get a project going where you plant 10,000 of those plants over there and real, really scale up and really make a, a huge impact, right? And tell that story, tell that story to the next generation so that, you know, they can come and do the same thing and you could retire and, and, and really like see that continued progress of, of uh, you know, restoring nature. I think that's one of the reasons why, you know, I think, you know, you and CNPS are, are so important. I, we kind of joke that we look at conservation as almost like a religion, religious mindset, because like, once you learn about it, it's like you said, it's hard to get out of it because you can't turn that off and not think of native plants and that plant should be here, that plant shouldn't be here. You know, your consumption, your energy use, all that. And it's, it's hard to just shut it off and Again, that's why, you know, like I said, people like you and CNPS are so important is because you're also, you're trying to get that mindset into everyone and anyone in California and beyond. And that's, you know, that's, that's the good fight right there. Yeah, we're trying, we're trying. I mean, it's, yeah. a, it's a hard fight, right? But I think, I think we're winning. I think we're winning. And you see it with COVID, right? You see, um, you know, there, there's, there's pros and cons to a lot of people visiting our, our national parks or our trails. I mean, yeah, the trails are getting impacted, but those people are, they're, they're searching for the same things we found, you know, back then. Right. I, I mean, I hope most of them are, um, but I, I do see it. If you talk to people they're they're pretty, um, they're pretty into what, what they're doing. They're pretty into going out, hiking, smelling the sage, right watching the sunset over the ocean, whatever, right? It's, I guess it's a, a optimistic way to look at what's going on right now. Um, you're getting more and more people out there and, and connecting to nature. 
you know, we talked about, you know, why you and CNPS is so important. And one of the reasons is because like you said, you were kind of just a normal person. You grew up in Southeast LA and you then after 20, 30 years, you became the president of a California native plant society. And so I think, you know, the fact that you are just a normal person and also the fact that this field is a very white field. It's usually white males. If you look at most of the boards of all the uh, uh, nonprofits that do this kind of work, it's usually older white men. We're starting to see a change and we're starting to see a, a need for representation. And you know, having, having you as with your background, which you can explain. So if you're comfortable, uh, do you mind kind of go into why that representation of uh, you know, women and uh, people of color is so important. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it, that's a, it's a huge conversation, right? And, and you get, um, yeah, I mean, I have so many thoughts on that. And you see, uh, I'm glad that, you know, things are going the way they're going. In a sense, I'm glad, right? I guess I try to be optimistic in a lot of ways, but um, things are coming to light and we're, we're having to confront these issues. And so you see a lot of statements being put out by uh, like Sierra Club and Audubon and CNPS as well and, and other groups um, confronting this, this structural racism um, and inequality that has gone on for so, for, for since the beginning of this, you know, Western conservation field. You know, if the roots of the conservation field in the U.S. are 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 tainted, then the whole tree is going to be tainted, right? It's going to be affected. It's going to grow, you know, deformed, or the fruits of that are not going to be the best fruits. And so, we have to treat that tree. We have to treat those roots. We have to um, work on it um, and not just let it continue to grow in the way it's growing. You know, I always you know, talk about the diversity of plants and the diversity of people and how these groups that we're involved in have to have to match the diversity of California. You know, we're a biodiversity hotspot and not just in plants, but in, uh, in people, you know? Any group, um, conservation or not, has to match the demographic to make the right impact. And we have not seen that. Um, you know, there's been different rules in place to um, affect boards in their uh, male to female ratio, right? And, and so it's, it's starting to get addressed on the legal end, but we're still not there in, in components of diversity of, of people of color. And so it goes back to the roots. It's hard to you know, you can't just cut the tree off from those roots because it may not, it may not survive. And so you have to, you almost have to graft that, right? And I, I apologize for the metaphor, but I see that metaphor, you know, um, you almost have to graft new, new pieces on there. And so it's a process. And so, you know, with, with the CNPS board, we've been trying to, to uh, work on it. We are working on it. We have a whole group dedicated to that. We've, been talking about this forever but you know the action items are are what counts and so we are working to diversify um, our membership our 
our, our boards, our different 35 chapter boards, and, uh, and then our main board, as well as our staff. And uh, that's really, really hard when you have this um, field that's just full of, of old white guys, right? And so we do have uh, new generations coming up. And I think it's important for all of us to, to mentor that, to mentor those people into our positions, into our roles, into whatever it is that we're working on. Uh, I think that's the best way to go about this is to start to tap those younger people of color on the shoulder and, and say, hey, you know, do you want to do you want to do this in the future? If, if so, here's how we do it. Um, let's, let's, let's get to it. And it's, it's really hard work and it's really easy to not want to do it and just turn around and, and say, you know, I got, I got other things to do. I don't have time for that, but um, things have to change because, you know, you see it, you see these, um, you see the impacts of that lack of diversity. You see those impacts of, uh, you know, this monoculture of, of decision makers. You see that throughout society. You see it throughout our boards. And so what do you get from that? You get stagnant conversations, stagnant ideas. You don't, you don't, you don't move forward. You don't, if you're not matching the demographics of the society, so of course the society is not going to want to support your mission if you're not thinking like society, right? You're, they're probably not going to create opportunities for women of color, right? Because they don't even they don't even get get that mindset. They don't even know what's going on. Right. And so it's same with the inner city stuff, right? You're not going to get, you know, impacts to the inner city because these people are not coming from the inner city, so they have no clue what's going on there. It has to change. The changes here, and so. Uh, you know, I, I ask for anybody out there who wants to serve on, on the board of CNPS to start to get involved because it's, it's great. It's great to be able to have a voice on what happens and what you want to happen and what impacts you want to occur, you know, based on what you care about, right? And, and who you represent. And so I represent this community. And so I know what I want to support, right? And I want to be held accountable to what I support. And so I believe we're, you know, we're, we're supporting what, what the community wants us to support. And I hope that makes sense. But for any, you know, uh, people of color out there or, or women that may not feel that they're being represented, I would say step up and, and join us because that's the only way it's going to happen. You know, we, we, we need to do this now. We need to change those demographics and I know that the people are out there. It's just uh, connecting. We just need to work together to connect and, and train each other so that we can continue to do good work out there. We want to continue to do impacts, right? And we need new ideas. We need to do things in, from different angles so that we have better success. And so I guess along the same lines, and we'll kind of wrap up with this. I've taken enough of your time here, um, is... I, it's always a hard question to ask and answer, uh, but what uh, what gives you hope when you when you're every day you're you know dealing with contractors and you're all the stuff that you don't like to do when you kind of need to take a step back? What is it that gives you hope about why you keep doing this? 
You just look at the kids, man. You look at the kids. You know, I I keep this postcard on my desk. There's this little kid wrote, I, I, I got asked to teach, uh, talk about native plants. I think that was it. Just go talk about native plants to a cafeteria school of children, a cafeteria full of children. It was maybe like 200 kids and it was career day or something. I don't know. <laughs> I just, you know, went up there and I don't know what I was talking about. I was just talking nonsense to the kids. I was, I was trying to meet them at their point, their halfway point. And I got all these postcards from them after. And I'm sure, you know, the, the teacher made them do it. But some of those postcards were crazy. And I was just like blown away, almost like tears in my eyes where they're just like, wow, like, I didn't know you could make lemonade berry out of, you know, the, this plant. Like, I want to I wanna do what you do when I grow up. And I'm sure, like I said, a lot of these postcards were the teacher made them write something like that. But some of them were just genuine. And, and that's kind of what keeps me going is like, if one of those kids in that cafeteria, you know, has that same drive and decides to pursue conservation, you know, this is, this was a school, you know, 99% of the kids were brown. And, and so if one of those kids got, you know, stoked on that, that's what keeps me going because that's my replacement. And, and we're, you know, we want to train our replacements. We want them to have drive. And that's what we want, you know? And so that kind of keeps me going a lot, you know, that, that, that those kids are out there and that, and that we all have a direct impact on them. You and CMPS, the work you guys are doing is so important. And uh, it's so important that like you, you're making it a, a tenant of the organization that it's for everyone, everyone can get involved. So along those lines, where can people get involved if they want to get involved with, you know, any of the organizations that you're involved with? Yeah, you can get involved um, with CNPS. You go to the website, cnps.org. Um, you can join, you can be a member, and then you get all the cool stuff in the mail that, you know, starts to tell you stories about native plants, starts to tell you about the events going on. Um, you can do that, but you don't have to be a member. Uh, you can just be involved. And so I would go to the CNPS website, go to the uh, chapter map, find your nearest chapter, and then go to their website and see what they're doing and get involved, get involved. Just go to their, you know, most of our chapters have these monthly meetings. So go to those meetings. And right now, most of us are doing them in Zoom style. And so you don't even have to leave your house. You can just watch them. Um, you can ask questions. And uh, I'd say, you know, that is one of the easiest ways to get involved with CNPS. And then if you really have drive and you really want to do more impact, then you just you continue to talk to these, uh, these people in these boards of, of, uh, of your local chapter. They're the people who are the most involved and they're, they, they want support. They want to work with people. And so that's one way uh, with the CNPS. CNPS actually has a lot of different social media. So whatever you're on, you could get, you know, tied in in some way, leave a comment, send a, a direct message, whatever it is. Um, someone is bound to answer you because most of, most of us are nice. I, I would say all of us are nice. Maybe there's one or two out there that are uh, cranky, but they're probably still nice if you start to talk about plants, you know? They probably just don't like people, but. Uh, if, it, if it involves plants, they're going to get in, uh, really stoked on it. And um, all the other groups also have their websites, graywateraction.org. You know, 
it's a it's a great statewide group as well um, and it, it ties into native plants you know saving water um, you can use gray water with native plants and um, really make an impact to your uh, footprint and be sustainable at the same time and uh, flora y tierra as well um, we have an instagram and you can see the different events the different projects we're working on here in long beach california and if you're near us um, you can get involved in some way well thank you again chris i really appreciate your time here i know uh i know it's <laughs> with all these organizations you're involved with, it's kind of hard to, to find time for you <laughs> so i really appreciate it right on austin thanks for having me and um yeah thanks thanks for everything uh, pelicanus is doing great work so definitely supportive of of all the podcasts you guys are putting out there. Thank you again to Chris for talking with us, and special thanks to Liv O'Keefe of CNPS as well. Especially if you're in California, please look into CNPS's programs if you're looking to get involved in your natural community. Producers on this episode are Austin and Taylor Parker. Music for this episode was provided by a picture book. Please like, comment, and subscribe if you haven't already. And thank you again for tuning in. We'll talk to you next time.